Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're watching, whatever time zone it is. Welcome to Bridging the Gap. I'm your host, Councilor Billion. William V. Thompson. Here for Lesson 5 today. What you think about Lesson 4? Just a brief recap. I thought it was good. I'm going to go back to Lesson 3 and 4. They sort of tie together. Okay. You know, everything we're talking about is cash flow being the rocket fuel to build wealth. And this is for anybody, a common person, that person, no matter where you are in life, this is for you. Mm -hmm. In Lesson 3, Council, we talked about the Fab Five, and we gave them five basic points and how to create money based on what they had. We talked about, we gave the acronym DEBT. We mm -hmm. talked about debt management, expense review. We talked about business ownership, mm -hmm. tax strategies, and stock market investing. That was that was podcast three, right. which relates to uh, creating money. And then podcast four, we gave them Fab Five and building wealth. Yep. And in that, we talked about about five major things in building wealth. Everything from buying real estate on sale, to building an online business, to investing long-term in the stock market, to eradicating debt, and a few more. But today, we want to begin to put the whole system in context. And that whole system we call the C5, because there are five major components of everything that we teach. We're going to one of these five major categories. Got it. So let's jump right in. Let's do it. Okay. The very first one, it says conform to the word of God or sound financial principles. Of course, as Christians, you know, we believe the word of God gives us a guideline to follow. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is find good, solid principles that you believe in and follow those. See, because I have learned that the system that impoverished you, it will never empower you. And the system is really programmed for people to be poor. Think about it. I think about 5% of the world's population controls about 80% of the wealth. Well, give or take a little bit. Then you say 10% controls about 95% of the wealth. So those 10%, they recognize it was an impoverishing system. Their parents, their coaches, their loved ones taught them. And that's what we're doing. If you're like me, man, I, I did not grow up with a silver spoon, gold spoon, really any kind of spoon in my mouth. How about you? <laughs> no, sir. And, and my parents were good, hardworking people, and they taught me the, 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 the standard thing of, you know, go to school, get a good education, which I tried, <laughs> and then get a good job. And, you know, old school generation, you work there for 40, 50 years, get a gold watch, and you've arrived. Right. And, and, we, and we believe in hard work, but that's an impoverishing system. So keep that in mind. And also, in this first step, it talks about poverty as a disease of the mind. It's not the color of your skin. It's not your ethnicity. It's not your background. The only limitation in life that people have is how they think. And that's why we emphasize throughout, you got to have a trash day. See, the day in my house, today's Wednesday, by the way, and today's trash day. So we had to take the trash out. And we want to get you to take the trash out of your mind. Uh, and there's a lot of erroneous things about money that we want to give people a good sound principle, a good sound system, cash flow, building wealth, that people have to understand it's no get rich quick things if you're going to do it right. And if you want to make it generation. So here it is. So number one deals with conforming to the word and or sound financial principles that you live by. Yeah. Some of those principles can come from books, right? Like, oh, oh, man, no doubt about it, man. You know, even though we talk about it as Christians, but I, I read other books, and I think you do, too, oh, just yeah. as much as I read the Bible. Yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Well, yeah, I like that one, you know, and, 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 and that's one of my favorite ones because it really got me in the mindset of, um, 
uh, that I could be wealthy. Then his second, I like even better counsel. He talked about retire young and retire rich. And that's what you're going to do. Right. You know, you're young, so you're going to retire young so you can retire really richer. And I remember Joe and I, the first time we retired, we were like in our mid to late 30s. And it gave us time to pause in life. It gave us time to reassess what we did. And we said, honey, what do we want to do the rest of our lives? But it's all because we were able to retire at a young age. You know, and I'm going to see if he can finish this. Oh. Here we come, here we come. <laughs> okay. So age doesn't retire you, does it? No. What retires you? Cash flow. He, he got it right. Said, all right. And that's true. It's cash flow. So once you get your cash flow to the point that it can more than cover your financial number and allow you to continue to buy assets on sale, in bridging the gap, folks, you're not able to retire, but you're not retiring to sit and swing on the front porch. You're retiring young to do what? To retire richer. That's it. I like okay? that. I like that. Okay. So number one was conforming to the word. Yeah. Number two. Number two, control spending. Control spending. And I want you to keep this in mind. Everybody counsel must learn to run their personal finances like a successful business. Again, the impoverishing system that never empowers you, it tells you that a spending plan restricts you. It tells you that a spending plan takes the fun out of money. Well, you're right. The old school way, again, the way I learned, you're right. You, you had to keep track. When you bought bubble gum, you kept track of that. No. When you bought a, a $2 uh, candy bar, you, no, that's impoverishing. But what a spending plan is all about, it is all about helping you get the maximum result for every dollar that you make. In other words, you want that dollar that you made from assets within time to work as hard as you're working every day. Right. So it's not like you're trying to count all the bubble gum, the toilet paper that you buy, but it's looking at your personal life. And it goes back to what you said before. You got to read books. Mm -hmm. And you have to learn how are successful corporations doing. And as a retired CPA, I came up in public accounting and I got a chance to work with your, um, now it's called Wells Fargo. I got a chance to audit mutual funds, uh, trucking companies, et cetera. And I was able to learn how companies ran their business. They set budgets in place. They had assumptions. They, they reviewed on a regular basis their spending versus uh, their budget. And at the end of the month, they did what's called month in closing, where they analyzed the results and they made tweaks accordingly. And if we can get people to run their personal finances like a highly successful business, they'll be successful and count when it's time to build their business. They already will have the foundational structure. Why? Because I've been running my personal finances like I'm going to run my multi-million dollar business. Okay. For you and Joy, what does that look like? It looks like like today is what the 24th or so. Yep. 25th. 25th. Okay. We'll sit down on the 30th. I think that's Saturday or so or thereabouts. And we'll literally go through our personal checking account. And you know, Joy handles all that now. And we'll sort of summarize how we spent what we gave to our church, what we paid, a jewelry school or our insurance, our dating, et cetera. And we'll sort of summarize all that like a business does. Mm -hmm. And we'll compare that to what our budget said. And the ultimate, and we'll see. So let's say we budgeted $500 a month for food. Mm -hmm. And let's say if we came in at 650, well, we're not going to cry and boo-hoo, whatever. We're going to ask the question, why did we overspend in food? And what can we do next month not to do that? Because the ultimate goal is we want to have five or 10 or $20,000 per month left over because we have something called a reward system. Okay. But of that, she may get a thousand or two. I get a thousand or two to do whatever I want to with. 
and the rest of it, we go to buy more assets. So really, we're just comparing what we say we're going to spend to what we actually spend and understand the difference. And here's something ironic. You know, Joe B's been in college, and it's three people in our household, Cal, <laughs> as you know. And our water bill used to run $100 a month, under a month, okay? Since she has been in college, it's still two out of three in the house. The water bill is now down to forty dollars. Sixty percent of our water bill was one person. Cause she'll get in there, man, and just daydream. Uh, uh. So that's just sort of irony. So we laugh at that, and now we really gave her a rough time. We picked her up last night. Hey, girl, you're costing us money. But ironic on the flip side, we've eaten more. We spent more in food since she's been gone. We've been eating out a little bit more. But we just simply move things around. Keep our cash flow, but to enjoy my Got it, got it. Yeah, I wanted to see what that looks like because I, I know you guys review it on a regular basis. Yeah. And literally QuickBooks, right? Or, yeah, we or, do. Yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah, so we do the same thing with that, um, like the Mint app. I yeah, Mint, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. What you tear down it, it literally breaks it down in the pie chart, which is spent on it. Yeah. Eating out, groceries, automobile, all that kind of stuff. And again, get re- it's not about restricting you. It's about giving, taking authority of your money, telling it what to do. Yeah. And you want more of it to go to your future and not your creditor's future. Yeah. Sometimes when you see what you spend on eating mm-hmm. out, man, like, the more you have that much money available yeah. to put somewhere else. Yeah. And two, if, if I can cut this in half, what could you do with that? Yeah. I think you were saying you guys went on some type of monetary October. adjustment. And 248 bucks or so. Yep. I mean, just thinking, for, that's food. And, and we're all about enjoying life, but it's all about what we call purpose spending. Yep. Making sure every dollar that you spend fulfills your purpose. Your purpose is to build wealth. Yes, sir. Your purpose is to retire young. Your purpose is to help other people. So it's critical that your money represents your purpose and not allowing debt or mismanagement to determine your future. I agree. It's very important. I agree. So we got the first two. Uh, number one is conform to the word. Two is control spending. And three, this is where the fun come in to me a little bit. Cutting Ted. Good Ted, that's it, yeah. And if your name is Ted, we ain't talking about <laughs> you. you know, I, I look at Ted from a perspective council. It's, it's a couple of things I've seen in my 60 plus years in working with people. And it goes from your generation to mine and even the generation before me and the generation after you. Yeah. You know, when I look at Ted, it, it, it's, 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 it's two things with taxes. Number one, I mean, with T. Number one, it's taxes and timely. I have found that so many people waste time yeah. and and they waste life. And I believe that life management enhances money management. So it's all about getting rid of those time leaks. And also too many people pay too much in taxes. Yeah. You look back at some of our last couple of presidents, they talked about how they made a lot but paid little in taxes. It's all because they do tax planning. I think the average person, and by the way, we do taxes in all 50 states. So whether you're an ordained minister, a business owner or an individual, we can help you in tax planning. So that's a lot of money there. The second thing, the E deals with expenses and excuses. Mm -hmm. As we talked about before, one of your best ways to create money initially is the better managed expenses. Like you gave the example, just in food alone, you guys picked up $248 in one month. And over the course of a year, that's $3,000 a year. And if you invest, your boys are how old again? 86. 86. If you took that without running the numbers, if they decide to go to college, if you were to invest that 3000 a year, that's their college fund. 
And that's basically what we did for Jewel Victoria. We actually bought her a house when she was seven days old, attorney Faria, mm-hmm. bought her a house, went down and took the baby in. And he's wondering what's going on. We said, this is our daughter's future. And we use part of that house today to fund her college. Wow. And that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty neat. So again, it's those kinds of things that can make a world of difference. So be mindful of expenses and excuses. I'm going to see if he remembers this. Well, you know, one of our buddies said this. He says, you'll never move beyond what? I set him up. Thank you. See, I set him up. (laughs) See, it's so obvious. And that's it, man. People make excuses. I'm black. The economy's rough. COVID-19. I don't have a house. I don't have a college degree. I don't have. But the key thing is stop looking at what you don't have. Right. But start focusing on what you do have because that's what's going to create what you don't have. Right. And the final thing, man, is deeper debt. Yeah. It's debt and distractions. And I'm going to ask you a question in a second. But what we talked about getting ready for it. Yeah. But debt. See, if you had no debt, what couldn't you do? So it's all about eliminating debt. And again, you, when I first met you, there were a lot of distractions in your life. You were all over the place. Yes. And somehow you got focused. How did you get rid of the distraction? You had the same potential, but somehow all those distractions now are gone. And I've seen a laser focus in the last year and a half, two years. Why? Wow. Man, that's a good question. That's why I ask you, man. It's good. <laughs> what do you think? Goodness gracious. Um, I think just focusing on what you can control was my thing. Okay. Like a lot of stuff was outside of my control, yeah. or yeah. I was just focusing on things that I couldn't really affect at that time. So just focusing on my daily routine okay. and the discipline. Sure. And eventually, I was able to address some of those. Outside distractions. What, what do you think it was? I'm curious. Uh, I, I, I think the distractions were one. And I think also finding your passion. Yeah. Because you came in, you know, we were all trying to find out what you, we, we knew construction and real estate was a part of it. Right. And and even that has changed. And I think ultimately you'll get back to the GC part. It's right. in your heart. But I think there was another avenue you went, first of all, that gave you the joy, gave you success. So it's all about finding that niche finding that passion that you can pour yourself into. Even when we first got started, I remember meeting with you and CC, and we talked about marketing, but I think it was a little different, something with email marketing. Uh, I know virtual assistant yeah, was yeah, in it, but yeah. email marketing too. Yeah. But that just didn't quite fit. Right. But now you, you've helped us in our company with marketing. You're passionate about that. Yep. You're creating systems. So it was about finding your passion. And here comes another test. I always talk about what is a perfected passion? It produces prosperity. That's what I'm talking about. A perfected passion produces prosperity. When counsel as well as myself years ago, when we found our passion, we perfected it. Prosperity is coming, but that calls us to be laser focused. So even when distractions of the election came up or distractions of a business deal not going through, we stayed laser focused. And a lot of people missing in life because of distractions. That's very true. And I think... Uh, it can, it can kind of play into where you get people that are always jumping at other opportunities. Oh, yeah, man, yeah. It, it, but it, it don't have anything to do with real estate and marketing. I don't really yeah. guess. Yeah, so uh, yeah. It, it helps you stay focused on what's in front of you as opposed to seeing somebody over here doing something great. Now it takes you away from what you've been yeah. working on for two years. Yeah. Try to lock in here. But if you just stay focused on the past at hand. Listen, and like Count said, he loves real estate. I like real estate. So therefore, I'll, I'll do maybe a house or two a year just to build a portfolio. So 
But I love building businesses, which of course he's into there also, because that sort of is his real estate business and marketing. Right. But I think the thing I love doing, and he doesn't love as much, is investing. I love investing in the stock market. He he likes it because he knows it's one of the pillars of wealth. Right. So he's more real estate. We both are business, and I'm more of investing. So again, you just got to find that passion. And you make a good point, because again, in my generation, we, I'm backtrack. One of our members said this. They said, in the 21st century, the financial illiterate person is not the person who can't read or write, but it's the person who refused to learn, unlearn, and relearn. Wow. And my point in saying that, <clears throat> in my generation, we were taught one thing. Let's say we, we were taught to make pennies, And we spent our whole life doing nothing but making pennies. Nothing else important in life was important. That was my generation. Your generation, you guys all over the place. Yeah. And that's why the bridging the gap is so important because we can get people to take the old mindset, the new mindset, and find a happy medium. That's how anyone, whether you're millennial, a Z, an X, or a boomer, is going to succeed. And that's why we're here to bridge the gap. I like it. I like it. So we got the first three conform, control, cut. This is a good one too. The next one, create money. Yeah, I, I love that. Three, I like. Yeah, he likes them. All right, good deal. <laughs> but but you know, and you've heard me say over and over again, you know, money is nothing but an idea. And if you're lacking money, it's because you're lacking ideas. And when we talk about creating money, we aren't talking about the asset now. We're talking about things that you can control. We're saying creating money from your talents and your skills. That side hustle we talked about. Creating money by beginning to reduce, at an eliminated again, but reducing debt. Creating money by tax strategy. But again, sit down. Every, and we called it pots of oil. You know, there's a story that you and I read years ago that there was a lady who, in turn, her, her husband had passed away. She had some small kids. And uh, she went to her coach. And the coach asked her the question. I'm going to clear my throat when he tells me what the question was. <clears throat> what do you have in the house? There you go. Simple question. In other words, what do you have that can turn your situation around? And like so many people, she said, man, I ain't got anything. That's why. Okay, I got a pot of oil. And her coach saw value in the pot of oil that she didn't see. And that's why it's important to catch podcasts like you catch it now and contact them with us because we will see money in your life that you've never seen. And I think John Maxwell said something like this. He says, that you have to be thinking at a higher level to solve the problem than you were thinking when you created the problem. And that's so important. We're going to help you find so much money in your life, as they say in Kentucky, right now. <laughs> yeah, and so like, I know some of the ways we find money is like uh, shopping, cell phone plans, yeah. insurance. I mean, just getting more costs on monthly payments and stuff that you know you got to have. Yeah. But that don't mean you have to pay the premium dollar for it, if you can stick at the same level. So, yeah, yeah. And I tell you something, maybe you can help me understand in this cross generational line. You can show a person how to create money by better managing their money, mm -hmm. their expenses. They create $500. And they go ahead and do a side hustle and make $200. But they're more excited about making money than creating money. But why is that? I mean, I have seen people that we've helped them create $700 a month. Just better imagine this stuff. And they're like, okay, okay. And they go ahead and start selling ink pens and make $100 a month working hard. 
and they're more excited about that than that seven hundred dollars. A sense of accomplishment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you think of um, this the social media world. It's all about you know, show me what you're doing. It's hey, I saved you know three hundred dollars on my car insurance, as opposed to I went out and you know I got got a new lawn care business. We got six customers. I got you. It's just a little bit more catchy. Yeah, I got you. I got you. But again, we're about cash flow, guys. No matter how you get it. There you go, man. It's <laughs> cash flow. That's it. Order, you know, create the money by better, you know, managing what you already have. Yeah. That's it. And finding a balance because it's only so much you can cut. Yep. I mean, we, we don't want you to cut to the point you're bleeding, you're not enjoying life, but cut the waste, the fat. But the ultimate money is going to come from the very next point we're going to talk about. Yes, sir. Which is capturing assets. All right. I think it's time for another quiz. How about you guys? You think so? It's time. It's time for okay. What in the world is an asset? Anything that makes you money with little to nothing doing wrong. He did good. That's it, man. Say that with a conviction this time, man. Anything that makes you money. Point the finger at little to none of your involvement. (laughs) And that's it, guys. You know, I tell the story. When I was uh, going to school of an accountant, you know, I got confused about an asset. I heard that this computer was an asset. And it, it can be. I heard this table. I heard that this the chair. But when you got in the real world, I learned that it's what puts money in my pocket. And I ain't, I'm sorry, I don't have to do a whole lot. Got it. And that's really what it boils down to. Got it. So what, what are some of those assets? Okay. One of them is one of your favorite ones is real estate. Yes, sir. When you buy the on sale, guys, and the council does a lot of flipping. They're looking to do some commercial things there. And sure, it's a lot of work up front, a lot of front. But once it's done, it's done. And for the next 10 to 20 years, it's bringing money in and not to mention the appreciation you're going to get. Yeah. Okay. Second of all, you got business building. We both love building businesses whereby we can do something like this podcast or create courses, et cetera, where it's all automated. And as you travel out of town for the holidays, I'm probably going to travel some too. We're going to get our phones are going to ding. Why? Because we made money from a business because of something we did one time. The third thing is like an intellectual property. It's an online course. And we both have online courses that are intellectual properties. And we want to show you within time how to build your own online course because everybody is good at something. Everybody. And, and the last thing is something that I have found that Jill Victoria and my daughter and I, we bond over. It's investing. She loves investing. So her and a friend of hers, Trey, we come up to the house and they both have homework assignments. They both have their own portfolio they're investing in. And we're talking about, because I've shown them both, they're both 18. Said $1,000 a month, guys, no matter how you get it. By the time you're 38, that's a million dollars. So they wow. both are laser focused. And the fourth asset classification is investing. Gotcha. How young did JV go to the start? With the investment. In the stock market or real estate? Stock market. Stock market's probably, she's 18 now. She was 15. Wow. 15. Because, you know, with your child, you you try to find a place of commonality where you can sit down for hours and talk. Right. And she told me, she says, Daddy, I'm not this financial person. I don't want to have a business. All this real estate stuff, uh uh. She said, I only want to buy what I want to live in. So finally, we found investing and she loves the research the discussing etc so that becomes our common bond uh about liking got it got it which one of those did you name the intellectual property real estate 
business or the uh, uh, stock market you think is the easiest to get started in? I think getting started, it's probably business. Okay. I think it's business. Uh, let me backtrack, backtrack. I think the I think the starting point easier is the intellectual property on an online course. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's the one because everybody is good at something, and I think if people would take time and and be honest, what am I good at? What am I passionate? It could be it could be mopping a floor, it could be yoga, it could be working out, and once they really say I want to become the best at this, and they take the time to show step one, step two, step three, and polish it up. Somebody's out there will buy their online material. I agree. So once the intellectual property is created, then it rolls into the business aspect. So I think those are one and two. Yeah, gotcha. my opinion. Yeah. English property. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. So recap: we got the five was conform, control, cut, create, and capture. That's it. That's the C five system. That's it. Got it. And to the common man or common woman, I don't care where you are financially in life, remember poverty is a disease of the mind. And when you, not if you, when you embrace the system, life will change. And I'll sort of end with this basic thought. Here's my question. And we're going to talk about questions that demand an answer next podcast. Yep. But one question comes to mind is, what do you want so bad in life that you refuse to live without? And I think if people be honest with themselves over the holidays and say, forget about where you are. What do you want so badly? My wife says badly. I say badly. What do you want so badly in life <laughs> that you refuse to live it without it? When you can really answer that question, that's going to bring focus. It's going to be life changing. I agree 100%. And a book that helped me kind of narrow that down was. Um, I think it was Find Your Why mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that by Simon Sinek. Okay. Uh, that was a good read. I got you. And that in the office, actually. But yeah, so you, you got to find that because it's going, something that has to push you in. You You're right. Changes that you wish. You're right. One more time is when you're unwilling to live without. I got you. But give us a change on the subject. Did you got my book ready today? Did you I, do. I do. I do. Did, did you ready. bring it with you? Yes. The ones, no, see, I, I didn't, didn't bring it with me. <laughs> see? He, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to work out the details. You got to pass by my house when you go out of town, by the way. I do, so I'll make sure I talk. Okay. okay. Good deal. Thank you. See? <laughs> you got to remember a formal education makes you living. But he's going to help me get an informal education by reading that book. He says a good read on some marketing strategies. Excellent. I'm going to read it over the holidays and be a little smarter next time we uh, have a podcast. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy your holidays and we'll be back. Yep. Good deal. Thanks, man. Yes, sir.